Take your Bibles, join me in Joshua chapter 3, and that song was perfect for what we talked about this morning, amen? We need that private time with the Lord. I would like to continue our series tonight, Crossing into Canaan, as we are making application to our upcoming 40th anniversary as a church. Joshua chapter 3 is where we'll be, and I just want to read verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Last week, we paused our series to give way to our inspiration. But you may recall a couple weeks ago, we were in the latter half of chapter one of this book. And our focus really was just one word from chapter one and verse 11, and that was prepare. Joshua told the people to prepare victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. But we didn't talk about preparing food, although that's one of my favorite subjects. (laughs) Amen. Um, We talked about preparing to stretch our facility as far as we can. Stretching out for the glory of God that we could reach more souls for Christ. And remember that as the children of Israel began to prepare for their crossing over Jordan, I'm sure there was excitement mixed with some trepidation. Excitement because the day had finally arrived in which God would fulfill his promise 400 years earlier made to Abram. And probably a little bit of trepidation because they were going to battle. And we know that some would not live. As we go forward as a church, I believe it's exciting because of how God is blessing here. But there's some nervousness because we, if we make a move and it doesn't work out, what then? We talked about how we have essentially maxed this facility out. With the way that we currently operate, it's about as far as we're going to go in this facility. And we must prepare to go forward by making more room. And it's not going to be what makes us comfortable. Amen. We can try choir loft seating again. We're just recapping still. Um, Even more uncomfortable would be the possibility of going to two Sunday morning services. (sighs) 
the crowd goes wild. So we just started that conversation two weeks ago. It's a possibility. I think it's a need personally. I would estimate that maybe a third of you are on board with that. Probably 50% of you are on board with whatever decision is made. And the rest of you don't really say much, so I don't know what's going on in your head. But um, we're getting there, I think, as far as people catching that vision. Um, I'll tell you what's on my heart right now is I'm seriously considering beginning in March of 2020 going to choir seating, do that for 12 months straight, see what the numbers bear out. If we see an increase, then March of 2021, go to two services. That's kind of what's on my heart right now. What that does is it gives the sheep enough time to just let the thing marinate. If we make a move too fast, all the trout go up underneath the banks of the creek, and then we don't catch anything. And and so I'm trying to be cautious here, but I also don't want to drag our feet for too long because we've got to do something. Um, no one should feel, with that kind of timeline, no one should feel like we're rushing into anything, right? Um, the reason for March is because we're going into the winter slump. In case you didn't know, it's going to be like 73 Wednesday and then snowing that night. Amen. It's that time of year. You didn't hear about this, sister? <laughs> Must be so nice to be oblivious. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, we're supposed to get snow Thursday morning, Wednesday night, something like that. Was that Natalie or Sue Mack? Oh, well, the way you went like this, I thought, wow, you like snow? That didn't seem to fit together very well. Natalie, you like snow. Amen. Ben, do you like snow? You better figure it out, brother. You're getting married in like three weeks. (laughs) You are the head of that house, and you will tell her whether or not she likes snow. (laughs) Note to self, don't come to me for marriage counseling. Amen. I'm only teasing, brother, and we'll edit every bit of this out of this message. Nobody will ever know it happened. Anyway, I am excited about the snow. But we shouldn't feel like we're really rushing into anything, and that will give us plenty of time to maybe get on board or at least act like it. Amen. Hey, are you on board? I'll be honest with you, I'd give it a shot this March, except there's some men that might be deployed that I really want around here if we do this thing. Brother Long and Brother DeGarmo might be deployed this summer. And so, anyway, we're not going to get caught up in chapter 2 tonight, though it's a great chapter. I do want to highlight just a couple of things from chapter 2 before we look at chapter 3. I know where I asked you to turn, so just bear with me. In chapter 2, Joshua sends out two spies to view Jericho. I don't remember who. You may, still, you may be here tonight. Somebody asked me, why did Joshua send out two spies since God had already said he would give them the land? And it didn't go so well when they sent out the 12 spies 40 years earlier. Well, that's a fair question, amen? First, I would say... Uh, those two scenarios were very different. And so we can't just compare the two um, as they were the same circumstance. 
Now, I believe part of the problem 40 years earlier with the 12 spies being sent is, according to Numbers 13, Israel desired to know whether or not the land was good or bad, fat or lean, whether there would be wood therein or not. And that's something God had already made abundantly clear. So I don't really see the need why they had to go in to figure that out. God had already said that. Second, um, here they are very definitely about to go to war in Joshua. And I know that that was the plan back then, but the difference I believe here is that they are actually moving in faith, in obedience to God. And so Joshua sends these two spies to Jericho. And Jesus said this in Luke 14, 31, what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Proverbs 20:18 says, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. So I believe biblically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the fact that they are sending spies to Jericho because they are moving in obedience, unlike the group 40 years earlier. And I would just say there that if any here are unsure of us stretching this facility to two Sunday morning services, then just apply the sending of these two spies to what we talked about last time. All we're doing at this juncture is we're just sending out two spies. Amen. We're not doing anything yet. We're just sending the spies out ahead and uh, to see if this is the step that God would have us to take. Uh, Third, I would say to that question, having the privilege of having the completed word of God, it's easy for us to look at that situation here in Joshua's day and say, God had a greater purpose in it all because he intended for Rahab to be saved, right? And Rahab would ultimately be in the lineage of Christ. And the only way that God was putting that together was by sending the two spies who met Rahab and was able to strike the deal that God had intended. And so God was in all that. His ways are not our ways. Um, His thoughts are not our thoughts. But one last thing I want to just mention from chapter 2, and if you want to let your eyes fall over there, you can for just a minute. Verses 10 and 11 says, Rahab here is speaking, and she says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so I I read that and I got to thinking about our church. and, And I think we need to go forward in hopes that God will do such great things in us, through us, for us, that Rapid City and the surrounding areas will hear what God is doing here. I mean, when they came through the Red Sea, this was 40 years ago. Man, we heard what happened back there, and we were terrified. And I think the, the world around us needs to hear what's happening, what God is doing through us, what God is doing for us. And so why do we want that to happen? Because of what she said, that, there would, that the, the earth would know that there's a God in heaven and in earth. And that's our goal. We want the, the world to know around us that there is a God in heaven, that we do serve the living God. Now, I don't want to dwell in chapter 2 in our series. Let's go to chapter 3. And so, 
as I've already stated, in chapter 1 and verse 11, Joshua commands the people to prepare because they're about to cross over the Jordan River in three days. And chapter 3 here picks up where chapter 1 left off three days later within the camp. We see in our text that after three days, the children of Israel are commanded to watch for when the Ark of the Covenant of God is on the move. Now, it's important to understand that the Ark of the Covenant is a type, a symbol, a picture of God's presence. During Moses' life, God led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. But now God is going to have the children of Israel follow the Ark of God. And they're commanded when they see the priest bearing the Ark, then they were to remove from their place and go after it. And that simply means that the ark would lead the way. And as the ark would move, they would move in concert. It would appear from certain scriptures that every tent door in the camp would face the tabernacle. Just think about that. Wherever the ark of the covenant rested... The, the door to their dwellings faced the tabernacle. For example, in Exodus 33, we read this in verse 8. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And so they could see what was going on from their, everybody with me, from their tent. And in verse 10 of the same chapter, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And so there from their dwelling, they could see when God's presence was on the move, because evidently every tent door was facing where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence would be. It was the focus of the camp. And, and I believe personally that many today will miss a move of God because they don't have their homes focused on the house of God. Now that'll preach. Many are on the move and, and they're focused on their own lives, on, on those things which are happening away from the tabernacle. Many have their doors facing the wrong way and so they miss when God is moving within the camp. Amen, that's good. And I'm afraid some churches wouldn't know a move of God if they saw one. And they wouldn't even know what to do with it. And I don't want to be that kind of church. And what I'm telling you tonight is we need to prepare for a move of God. I believe we must prepare for a move of God and then expect a move of God. And when we see God moving in our midst, then we need to follow His leading. God is on the move around here. People keep coming in. And I sense God is waiting to see if we will follow the leading of His presence or not. Now, I want you to get this. As God's presence moved, they were to move. 
as God's presence moved, they were to move. And whenever God moves, we need to be willing to get up and move along with God, to follow what He's trying to do. And I wonder if the Spirit has ever moved in your life and you didn't move. You didn't follow His leading. He'll never lead you astray. (laughs) Hallelujah. But corporately, as a church body, we need to be willing to move. And here's a principle I want you to understand tonight. A church that is growing will always be in transition. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what that means. When a church begins to grow, it it means this. Somebody may come and sit in your seat. Amen. Well, I don't like that somebody took my seat. Last I checked, your name ain't on the seat. Now, most of us don't have a problem with any of that. Amen. It means this. When a church is growing, it means somebody might take your parking spot. Now, we could go to parking spot rentals, make a little money. When a church is growing, it means this. Don't get too attached to your Sunday school classroom. Because I may have to come to you and say, hey, can we flip this around and do this and do that and finagle everything? Don't worry, the pulpit's still going to be here. We're not moving that, amen. And so I'm simply saying this, that uh, when, when a church is growing, there's always transition. There's always movement. There's always something that's probably going to irritate somebody. But what we need to do is just smile and move to the next seat. And you can do one of those ugly, mean, gritty smiles. Amen. It's okay, you can do that. Just so long as you smile and say, God bless you, we're glad you're here. Somebody might get your seat, your parking space. (laughs) All right, in verse 4 we see that there was to be space between the Ark of the Covenant and the people following it. Now, under the... Old covenant, that's not an unusual request, right? We understand that God had a separation, a very definite separation. Uh, Even when he gave the law, they could not even approach into the mountain. And there was a marked separation throughout the time of the old covenant. And it would remain that way until Christ would give his life as a perfect sacrifice and the veil would be rent in twain. But we are given a very specific reason here in verse 4, for why they needed to keep a space between them and the ark. And the Bible says, it was so they may know the way by which they should go, for they had not passed that way heretofore. And, And God says, that's why I need you to give space between you and the ark of God. Now, there's a couple of applications I see here for us. One is this, there must be a holy reverence for God in His presence. 
I know we have complete access through Christ. Thank God, hallelujah, that through his blood we can come to the throne of God. But I would tell you tonight that we need to consider how we are approaching God. Because I'll tell you what I see as a problem is we get so casual and so flippant with how we handle God's presence. I guess it's not popular to preach about today. But I think some churches have gotten so flippant about it that they miss that God isn't even there in the first place. The ark's been taken. It's been gone. Ichabod's there. But we need to worship God in the beauty of holiness. We are just so liberal today in our churches. And we think we're worshiping with God because we feel good. Amen. That's why we bring in the rock bands and all the rest. I don't know about you, but when I get before the presence of God, I realize who I am and it's not good. Also, what we need to to realize here is we need to allow space for God to work. I think most have heard a, a saying like that at some point. We need to allow space in our lives for God to work. What does that mean exactly? I believe it's this. We need to stop trying to figure it all out. Stop acting like we have all the answers. And we just need to step back and we need to yield ourselves to God And then just watch how he leads. And then when we do that, when we get out of the way and let God do his thing in front of us, God gets the glory. But when we figure it out and we come up with the scheme and we come up with the way, we can step back from that thing and say, man, how smart was that guy? Too many times we rush to a solution thinking it's of God. But I believe we end up missing the greater work of God in our life when we do that. Brother DeGarmo, I believe you mentioned it this morning in Sunday school. But what we tend to do is this. God, here's my plan. I submit it to you. Now I need you to bless it. Right? God, I figured it out. This is what I, what I know you want me to do. And so now I just want to give you this plan And this is how I expect to get there. And this is what I expect it to look like. And we we think God is just going to bless something because we've come up with this great idea. Now, they needed to give space because they'd never been this way before. That's what the Bible says. And God needed to lead the way. Believe it or not, I've been around this church now for 18 years. I came here as a zip-faced, no-child, little uh, 23-year-old, I think. And uh, how old am I now? I don't know what I was, 23, 24. Anyway, um, I don't know all that's taking place in the last 40 years, but it could be that our church is at a crossroads that we haven't been at before, or at least not in a long while. 
And, and many of us may not know the way. We may not see a way, but if we would simply let God lead and then follow him, then we cannot go wrong. I confessed to you last time that I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the best ways ahead. But I know God knows. And what we need to do is just watch for Him to move and then follow Him. Well, that's great, preacher, but what is it going to take to do that? Verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We need to be sanctified. We need to be set apart. We need to be consecrated. We need to be hallowed. We need to be clean. We need to be holy. We need to be vessels meet for the master's use. And after they sanctified themselves, they could expect God to do wonders among them. Are you catching that? They could expect it. Joshua said, sanctify yourselves because the Lord's going to do wonders among you. We'll see what those wonders are as we progress through the chapter later. But if we expect to see God do great wonders among us, then we must be a sanctified people. And I know that's not a popular message in the day in which we live that says, come as you are and leave as you were. But the Bible is still clear that we need to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's still found in 2 Corinthians 6.17. Do you want to see God do wonders among us? Psalm 86.10 says, For thou art great and doest wondrous things, thou art God alone. But we have to do our part. We must be ready. Because the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And I want to be that people. I want God's eyes to fall upon Liberty Baptist Tabernacle and say, that's what I was looking for. Verse 6 says, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Joshua had already instructed in verse 3 that when ye see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. And now in verse 6, Joshua says unto the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And I see here that the leadership in the camp had to have the presence of God upon them. I may not see everybody in here get on board. I understand that. There may be the two and a half tribes who say, No, thank you, Lord. We'd like to stay over here. But I need our leadership on board. I need you to have the presence of God upon you. It cannot only be the preacher. 
It's got to be the people, and it starts with the leadership taking up the presence of God upon them and going before the people. I need you to catch the vision. I need you to pass before the people, encouraging them to follow. Is everybody with me? Let me put it to you this way. If you're serving in this church body, then I need you to have the presence of God upon your life. And then I need you to pass before the people. I need every servant on board. I need every deacon on board. I need our staff on board. You ever reckon there were some that day as they began to stir in the camp and they began to take up the Ark of the Covenant and they began to move that thing and and the children of Israel began to move and stir that there was somebody who kind of looked around and went, what's going on? (laughs) I can't help but think that... What's going to happen here one day is all of a sudden the presence of God is going to come in. It's going to start to move. Those of you who are on board, who have caught the vision, you're on board with this thing, you're going to start moving and somebody's going to look around, wake up, scratch the eye boogers out of their eyes and go, what's going on around here? That's when you need to pass before the people. Amen. You need to pass before the people. You need to get on board and you need to get them on board. As God begins to stir, I need everybody to follow what God is doing. Not ask, what's going on around here? Where's everybody going? <laughs> it's funny because you may not realize it, but there's, there's things that will be set up here week after week. And it's like, I didn't, what, huh? I don't even know why we print the bulletin. I'm just going to be honest with you. People come up and say, hey, what's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's in the bulletin. It's in the bulletin? Yeah, that thing we print out every week and spend money on for you to have. So it's going to happen. Somebody's going to wake up and go, what? where did the blue pews go? <laughs> There's still some in here that haven't noticed yet. I'm just like, man, these, these pews, did we repad them? But I need you to catch the vision to fill in the stragglers. I can't be at every place. I've pulled many of you aside already and I've said, where's your heart at? Because I want us all to cross over into the blessings of God. Even if we had to bring the clueless along, amen? So let's prepare for a move of God by getting uncomfortable around here. And then, let's expect God to move. And then as God begins to move, let's follow His leading because He knows the way. And if you do not have the presence of God upon you tonight, I I want you to get alone with God until you get it. That's what it's going to take. I don't have magic pixie dust to make that happen. But it's going to take you getting on your face before God and desiring the presence of God upon your life. I want you to get the presence of God because I want you on board with the move that is taking place in our church. And leaders, I especially need you on board. 
servants, teachers, deacons, preachers, singers, nursery, you name the ministry. If you're serving here, you need to catch the vision of what God's trying to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word and the application that it has for us tonight. Lord, we are just trying to prepare for what it is you've brought our way. We are seeing you do great things, and frankly, we just need to make more room, and that's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone to prepare. But then we expect a move from you even greater than we've seen so far, and just help us to be those that would follow your leading, let you have the space you need to work, step back and get out of the way, And Lord, we ask you to do a work that the rest of the area would begin to hear about, knowing that God is here. And so, Lord, we pray for those tonight that cannot say they have the presence of God upon their life. I pray tonight might be the night they'd get that fixed, that they would get alone with you and cry out to you and seek your presence. So, Lord, just help us to go forward in unity, one accord, one mind. For in that you'd be pleased and glorified. For Christ's sake we pray, amen.